Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Heart Crimson, Anya Keister, and Lefty Lucy for a special episode that focuses on the much-anticipated Nerdlesque Festival, the original festival dedicated to nerd and pop culture-related burlesque. Created in 2014, this festival showcases the best in Nerdlesque from across the globe, brought together for one jam-packed weekend in New York City full of shows, classes, parties, panels, and more. Meeting the panel, Lefty Lucy is a burlesque performer and producer based out of New Orleans and is the executive producer of the Nerdlesque Festival. Hart Crimson is a New York-based burlesque performer and producer, alternative model, stage manager, and associate producer for the Nerdlesque Festival. And Anya Keister, herself a burlesque performer and producer based out of New York, who is also the sponsorship manager and chief graphic designer for the Nerdlesque Festival. Your host for this episode, Matt aka Stormageddon, is the official festival DJ. The event will take place April 27th through 29th at Coney Island, USA in Brooklyn. Tickets on sale through ConeyIslandUSA.MyShopify.com. In this event spotlight, Matt is joined by Anya and Hart Crimson in the studio with Lefty Lucy Skyping from New Orleans. Together, they all chat about the origins of the festival, how each of them and Matt got involved, and they discuss the review process for selecting the hosts, featured performers, and headliners. They also chat about Lefty's practice of offering feedback sessions for those who don't make it into the festival. And so, from the importance of building supportive communities to some verbal highlights, here's presenting Matt Storm and the curators of the Nerdlesque Festival, Hart Crimson, Anya Keister, and Lefty Lucy. And welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And my guests this week are Hart Crimson, Anya Keister, and Lefty Lucy. And uh, I am bringing you a special episode all about the 2018 Nerdlesque Festival and the history of the Nerdlesque Festival, which I have been a part of for quite some time. So thank you, everybody, for joining me. Yay, thank Yay. you for having us. Um, so I guess we'll start with the beginning. Um, I didn't get to know you, Lefty, until that first year when I DJed the festival. But how did the festival come to be? I know producers have changed, and I know that you know the show has shifted over the years. But where did the initial idea for the Nerdless Festival come from? Um, I mean, like Nerdless had been growing to a point between Epic Win and D Twenty in New York that like the words had been bubbling around for a while, and then uh, Nelson Lugo pulled together. Uh, D20 Burlesque, some people from Epic Win Burlesque, and RAR Burlesque, um, and uh, essentially, like, put the ship on the water, and that, uh, then then our, like, team of, like, what was it, Anya, eight women, yeah, just kind was... of, like, <laughs> took it and ran, like, it was, I mean, like, we had, so we had Stella Chu and Danger Doll from RAR, we had Anya from D20, and then we had myself, Iris Explosion, and Magdalena Fox um, from Epic Win. So, yeah, three, five, six. Six women uh, who uh, we'd all produced solo before. We'd never done anything to this scale. We'd never collaborated at this scale before. Um, we knew what we wanted to present, what we wanted to create. Um, 
and we just kind of faked it till we made it. (laughs) (laughs) It was, I'd say the first year was a lot of cooks in the kitchen trying to all make the most delicious thing ever. And I think it was a, it was a lot of people and a lot of good came from it. And it's only just been getting better and better every year is, you know, we add what we can. Well, yeah, I got a sense of that a little bit. I mean, my my I was approached at first by Nelson, and then I spoke to Iris, who was like, "Oh, Nelson spoke you, okay." And like, so I could tell that there was a lot of like, "Let's get this thing together and figuring out as we go." And I had a blast that first year. I only did one night the first year, um, but I got to get to know so many people that I had never met before. And then it was even better the following year when I did it. Um, but I got to know you much better, Lefty. I'd been a fan of your work for a while. Um, my Still my favorite act of yours is your Stay Puff act because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, and I enjoy it. Um, so, you know, and you, uh, you know, everyone here I know is deeply nerdy about many, many things. Um, Hart, the first time I got to see you perform in the Nerdless Fest was, I believe, last year you did your Shining Act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, we're going to go back to Nerdless Fest as a whole, but tell me a little bit, performing in Nerdless Fest, having also been helping behind the scenes and helping to make the show happen, what was that like? Was that act created for that show? Um, uh, no. I actually, I've, I've been building um, over the last few years a repertory of uh, burlesque that's like narrative-based, and I think that's what I like the most about Nerdlesque is that it offers a real opportunity for us to create narratives sometimes using um, things that we love from source material that maybe we didn't create independently, but mm-hmm. speaks to a lot of people. Um, and it's nice to share in that, that fandom. Um, I was actually, uh, my first involvement with the Nerdlust Festival was on Coney Island because Lefty threw together a fundraiser, um, the summer, That's right. yeah, the summer before, I believe the first or the second one, was it the first I- one? Uh, it was a summer after the first one. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was to fund the second one. It was called Nerdy Sexy Money. Yes. Um, <laughs> and at that I did, I kittened as Rocket Raccoon because Gardens of the Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy had like come up relatively recently. Um, and I closed the show with that number, and it's a really, I love that number so much. Um, and then the following year, I kittened the festival. That's and right. And go goat as BMO from Adventure Time. You did. Um, and then. <laughs> That's, I believe, when we first met. Yes. Through uh, Sarah Tops, the right. wonderful and incredible shadowy overlord of Nerdless Fest. Right. Sarah right, Tops. Right. Um, and then the following summer, um, or the following winter, I got a call from Sarah saying that Lefty had something to say to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's not ominous at all. Um, And I was in a car in the wintertime in Chicago, and I just, like, screamed. Um, I screamed a lot. Uh, Here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, Anya, you were there from the beginning as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember. Have you performed every year? No. um, So I was involved the first year, and then the second year I wasn't involved, but I did still perform. And then I perform. Yeah, so I guess I have. I've performed in every one. I haven't been in a producer mm-hmm. thing for all of them, but yes, I've performed in every one of them. Awesome. And uh, and so um, Anya, for you, I know last year you did your Portal Act, mm-hmm. which I love and was uh, is is great because not only are you dressed as Shelley and you have a portal gun, which <laughs> every time uh, you have it, I have to hold it because it's bonkers that it exists in physical space um but what's really cool about that lighting is that you can't obviously make portals on stage yet 
but we used the lighting to do that, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Was that always a part of that act and an idea, or did you kind of build to that idea of having that kind of lighting? It, it's an act that have portal gun will travel so (laughs) i have performed it on big stages where we can create the orange and the blue flashes to create portals on stage i've performed in small dive bars where i don't have it i i performed it in seattle once where i couldn't travel with the portal gun so i like just tried to mime what i was doing like (laughs) i've performed it in small things big spaces Mm -hmm. with lighting without you know uh i just yeah, I try to get it out there wherever I can. <laughs> it's it's a versatile act, it sounds Thank like. Thank you, yeah. Um, so, going back to this year's Nerd Less Fest, which is, as of this airing, will be this weekend. Um, it, <laughs> it's a it's it's a big difference. So first of all, I want to thank the the three of you I'm talking to, as well as Meg, if she's listening after the fact, for allowing me to be so involved since that first year, and that now I'm the official festival DJ, which is a title I've never had before, and will put on every resume until the end of time. But um, this year feels different. A because it's at a new location, um, a location we've never done it before, but that you Lefty have performed at since you became lefty as far as i can tell it's been one of like your home away from homes where was the idea to bring nerd last fest to coney island this year um well we knew we were going to lose webster hall when they were purchased by the barclays center right um and uh it's important to me to have a beautiful stage because i see a lot of festival photos and videos and like i come from the theater and like I, I do scenic design and I want things to be beautiful. I don't just want the act to be great and everything. I want like where it's performed to be beautiful. And I think Nerdlesque often doesn't get the opportunity to be honored in the same way that uh, classic burlesque does because it's a different aesthetic. Um, so I, I wanted to have like a nice stage and I went and visited Coney last year just for fun when I was in town for the festival and like they'd put up a curtain that opened and closed at the sideshow <laughs> theater and the sound booth was like a sound booth behind uh-huh. the bleachers and like like they've been you know Coney's rebuilt their theater twice in the last decade they rebuilt it and then the next year got wiped out by Hurricane Sandy and they rebuilt it again and they've just been growing and growing and then last year you know like I said I went on this like Coney Island trip just for fun and my friend and I were on the Wonder Wheel and I started to cry because like Coney Island's back it's like Coney Island is Coney Island again. It's magnificent. And the sideshow building, you know, they, they have this beautiful theater now and they've always been a home for the freaks, geeks and weirdos. Like Bambi the Mermaid and the Great Fredini have been producing Burlesque at the Beach for almost 20 years there. The first show I ever kittened at Coney Island was Bambi the Mermaid's Grey Gardens show. So Nerdy Burlesque specifically has had a home at Coney Island forever. And it just like it was like being hit over the head with Thor's hammer, like, oh, <laughs> like, this is clearly the space to do it. And to the point where even, like, Coney just has board games now. Like, we don't even have to try to be nerdy for the Nerdless <laughs> Festival. Like, this is clearly where it should be. And then also, I've always kind of wanted to be, like, Behoff's nerdy little sister. And I like the idea of being on the opposite coast at a destination. Coney Island is an international destination. It's a place people want to go and see and, like... We could really provide our festival uh, performers as well as attendees with a completely different experience that that really gave them more value. You know, you're not just coming to New York. You're not just doing this thing. You're coming to Coney Island. And, you know, for all we know, Coney Island is going to be underwater in 10 years. So, like, do it now. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's so funny. Did you say your first kittening was at Coney Island? 
Yeah. Oh, my first, the first time Anya Keister ever stepped on a stage was at Coney Island. Oh my god. That's also, and actually, I remember, I remember uh, talking to you in line when you were first becoming a performer at Coney Island. Like yeah. that's one of the first places I remember meeting you. Yeah. Oh. Um, I think that's really cool to create this kind of destination feel because you know, for me at least, last year. Um, is I think when I bonded the hardest with everybody and the fact that it felt like a destination even though we were at different locations the fact that Beauty Bar housed all of those awesome classes and I got to DJ all day like it it definitely felt like an event and so being at Coney Island feels like uh, the next step as far as curating an event like this um, what can people coming to the festival as guests expect from this year's festival besides two killer shows, a mixer, and, like, tell them what the, the rundown is for this. Um, so we're really excited to be working with the New York School of Burlesque to present classes again. So from 1 p.m. till I think it's 6 p.m. or 5 p.m., we've got five classes presented by our uh, headliners and hosts. Um, some are, are broader burlesque classes. Some are more specific, you know, to nerdy burlesque. Um, but we're, we're presenting those, and we're doing it during the same time that we're doing like a burlesque bazaar in the freak bar mm -hmm. so that there's really like, there's a place to go. You know, if you don't have money to take classes, but you want to hang out and make friends and network, like come hang out in the freak bar. We're going to have nerdy vendors. We're going to have board games. It's going to be, you know, you're going to be DJing. It's just going to be like, it's going to be, if you're a nerd and you're like, let me think of a place that I want to spend my time and okay. feel good about myself. Like that's what Saturday is going to be for the Nerdlesque Festival. And uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun. And then we've got, you know, of course, we're going to have the classes going on in the annex next door. And I want to uh, also note, uh, Coney Island is an accessible venue, whether wow. you're going into the stage or they're going to the annex. That's actually why we're hosting classes in the annex um, as opposed to the museum, uh, because anyone can get into the annex. And so we want everybody to be able to participate in this festival and do burlesque and do what they want to do. Because... That's the great thing about Nerdy Burlesque is it's for everybody. <laughs> and then, of course, on Sunday, we have uh, the event that I, th I personally feel is like the, the piece de resistance of the Nerdlesque Festival. And it's only open to performers, whether you're in the festival or you're just in New York at the time or you live here. Um, it's a peer review. Mm -hmm. And so performers uh, perform acts that they want feedback on and everyone else just attends it as if it's a show. And then they get to listen to feedback from our panel of headliners um, about, you know, ways that they think that that could really thrive if they made these adjustments. So it's a very community-based event, and that's our closing event on Sunday. It's funny. I'd never been to the peer review in previous years, and then last year I had I was having lunch with uh, Johnny Caligula, Mary Sin, Dick Move, and Sarah Tops, and Sarah's like, oh, I have to go to the peer review. I'm going to help Lefty with some stuff. Do you guys want to come? And I'm like... Yeah, I guess. You know, I'm not a performer. And I had a blast. First of all, seeing all these acts was great. Getting to hear the, the legends and headliners talk. Um, you know, I, I got, I'm friends with Pillow. That's a thing that happened last year. <laughs> like, so I think it's really cool, this community that you guys have created. You know, Anya, I see you posting a lot on our Facebook page and trying to share info about the city, stuff that's going on that weekend. Um, what do you think is key in keeping this community, the nerd community, really tight-knit, especially for Nerd Less Fest? Um, 
I, I will also say before we get away from that too, along with the auxiliary events and the show, before every night of the festival, we're having what we're calling a meet and geek, like a meet and greet. <laughs> so it's going to be a great time to just hang out in the freak bar there. You can grab a drink, play some board games in the freak bar, and also we'll have like our merchandise out and we'll have the raffle bags on display so people can oh, get a cool. chance to like really come up and see what's in the bags. There's going to be a very special two night raffle Ooh. over a, a, a Toy Tokyo exclusive figurine. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty epic. Anya is killing it with these raffle prizes this year. My question is can uh, people employed by the festival submit raffle tickets? Yes, yes. yes. So this is everybody's be- money is welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is going to be a separate, it's like a $600 figurine oh, that we're going to be raffling cool. off of like, the festival. So there's that. But otherwise, you were saying about keeping the community together and things like that. Um, it, it's, it's always been really tricky. As a person who's done a good amount of burlesque festivals and traveled to other cities, it's, it's always really hard because you don't know what the city entails and especially mm-hmm. as a person who like doesn't have a car and doesn't know how to get around the city and doesn't know what's ha- like mm-hmm. the ins and outs it can be really hard so we always try to give a lot of information to the people coming into the city because for a lot of people New York is daunting I mean yeah. I grew up two hours from New York it was told that like if I walked in the city I was going to get pickpocketed and mugged and like you know so we want to make sure that people know like how to get around on subways where they can eat uh, fun nerdy things to do in the city like the big touristy stuff and the small touristy stuff where they can go like go pet a cat in a cat cafe and then like mm-hmm. go buy some comics and or just go to the amusement parks at Coney Island there's so much that New York City has that we want everybody to feel safe and to be able to express their nerdery in whichever way they want to while they're in town something that's curious to me as first of all a fan of the Nerdless Fest and also as someone who's working for it I'm interested for it to be at Coney Island because I know after every night show we would try and go out or hang out and then, you know, even during the day we would try and do stuff when we weren't working or particularly busy. But now that we're going to be in an amusement park or next to one, it's like, what kind of trouble can we get into, <laughs> either pre or post show? Um, but I think it's going to be really fun also, you know, for people who are, you know, people who are traveling with companions and partners, like, they don't have to hang around. Some of them are wonderful, and I loved meeting them, and, and they hung out at Beauty Bar, and it was great. But, you know, now they don't have to do that. They can go around and adventure and do other things, which I think is going to be really cool. Yeah, and actually, the sideshow is running during the days. I'm encouraging everyone to check out the sideshow, for sure. Um, it's the last 10-in-1 sideshow in the country, possibly in the world, um, and 10 and 1 just means that you can come in and see the show at any point. You will see 10 acts. And once you see the act repeated, you're like, all right, I've seen the whole show. And you can leave. Huh. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, the the next thing I wanted to ask about is talk a little bit about how um, you guys pick the performers. I mean, I feel like every sh- I, I only see the, the, the acts that end up on stage. But I imagine it's an insane task to, to go through videos. Uh, and I know, I personally know so many talented performers. And I know there are tons of performers I don't even know. But let's start with the headliners. The, the headliners and the special guests, which this year is Tiger Bay, Sweet Pea, and... Liberty Rose. And Liberty Rose. How do you, do you pick them, or do people submit to be the headliner? How do you decide on the, the, the focused uh, performers? I am very spreadsheet-driven. Mm-hmm. So I have a spreadsheet that I share with, you know, I get, I ask um, Joe Gistoletto, who is, you know, is 
is a professor of Nerdlesque mm-hmm. uh, on in Seattle. I am um, ask for her ideas. I ask for Anya's ideas because Anya's so involved in producing and paying attention to what's going on in the world of nerdy burlesque. Um, Loretta Dean. Uh, Loretta uh, Dean. Ugh, that kills me every time. <laughs> Loretta Jean uh, uh, from Toronto is uh, she's she's doing her PhD, I believe it is, on on burlesque and nerdy burlesque right wow, now, and she runs awesome. a troupe up there, and she's been uh, performing in the festival since the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, uh, Nasty Canasta, I you know I reach out to a number of people and I say, hey. Who's, who did you meet? Who's standing out to you? What acts have you seen that are blowing your minds? And, like, I, I completely take the uh, suggestions of my team. And we try to curate a, a headliner and features uh, group that are diverse in as many ways as possible, whether it's gender identity, whether it's race, whether it's body shape, whether it's the genre they're presenting, just like we do with the whole festival. We want to make sure that we are representing a number of different things every year um, and and making sure that everyone feels seen um, as much as we can on our budget. <laughs> That's really cool. And I get a sense of that. Like, I mean, like, so the, the Nasty Canasta is hosting again le- this year. She hosted last year. We also mm-hmm. rewarded her the Queen of Nerdlesque title, I believe. Pod- Podmother. Was- oh, Podmother, Podmother of, of Nerdlesque <laughs> um, um, Award um, because cause she is. Um, and, but, like, this year we have Fancy Feast hosting, which is really cool because I know Fancy Feast is a performer. And I've seen her host, but I've not seen her host a lot. But, like, when I saw that she was hosting one of the nights, I was like, of course. That makes perfect sense. She made an NPR act about a Jewish version of um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, yeah. the woman is a nerd. Yeah. Well, and also she was a Miss Coney Island, which this yeah. year, since we are at Coney Island for our first time, we factored that in, too, because we want to honor Coney's history and place in nerdy burlesque. And the Miss Coney Island pageant, is a parody pageant. It's yeah. it's a it is a nerdlesque of a beauty pageant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think another thing too, when we were talking about the the picking of the headliners and the features and things like that, is we're a burlesque festival, but we're also a nerdy burlesque festival. Mm-hmm. So while we're going through and we're picking these people, we want to make sure that we're not just like, oh, what's a big name? Let's see if we can right. find something nerdy they do. Yeah. Like we're trying to find people who actually love this stuff as much as we do and honor them. Because there is, I mean, it's growing every year more and more. You're seeing more nerdy stuff at Behoff every year. But, you know, we want to celebrate these people who are big names but are also willing to do these nerdy acts. Because there was a time when you would get very pigeonholed if you created that. And we want to show that big names can also show their nerdy side and there's more facets to them. Yeah. And I remember the first year that I joined the festival and Lefty and I were talking about selecting headliners and features and hosts and the like. And I remember um, there was a conversation that we had about Lefty really wanting to choose people who've remarkably impacted their respective communities. Right. Um, And I can definitely say that about every single performer that we have headlining uh, or featuring or hosting this year. Yeah, I think that the di- the diversity of the show is incredible, and is I, th- I attribute to the last couple of years of my growth, even in the New York uh, burlesque DJ scene, as it were, if that's mm-hmm. a thing. Um, <laughs> you know, I met Victor Devon for the first time at Nerdless Fest. I met a ton of international performers for the first time at Nerdless Fest, and like 
the fact that this year I looked at the list and only recognized a handful of names actually made me very excited. Because, I mean, I would love, I love to see all the people I know in these shows as well. But the fact that I only recognize a handful of names means I'm going to meet a ton more people. I'm going to make a ton more connections. And I'm going to get to learn more about the scene and the industry, which I think is what's really great about the festivals I've experienced. Um, Talking about... um, this year specifically and going through the process of selecting the people who join the festival. I know that you guys um, tell all of the performers that if they want feedback, if they're declined from the festival, but they want feedback, you'll do a personal feedback session with them, which I think is incredible just in the fact that you want, you clearly are like, you didn't make it this year. It was a tough choice, but we want you to make it next year. Here are some suggestions on just general things that you may not know or that I can help with. Have you done that since the beginning? And where did the idea to do that come from? Um, I don't remember if we started doing it the second year or the third year, but it, uh, I definitely did it last year. Hart, do you remember if we did it the second year? Um, you did, because I was one of your feedback sessions. <laughs> That's right. So that, that so, year, um, can, I, can I talk a little bit about yeah, my please. Um, so I had actually applied to the festival um, with my Rocket Raccoon Act, and it turned out that Lux LaCroix, who was headlining that year, was doing her Rocket Raccoon Act. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got an email from the producers after they'd reviewed my submission um, asking if I would like to submit another act which is in itself a courtesy yeah Um, they didn't have to do that and they asked me anyway if i would like to submit something else i didn't have anything else that was video ready so in two days i threw together um an act as amy from gone girl (laughs) 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 um and uh i submitted it and it was rejected and in the end i think it came down to um a few things being just that uh the source material was uh, specific in a way that might not have been too accessible for the people who are watching Nerdlesque Festival, um, which is fine, but I did get a feedback session with Lefty, uh, and it was, I think, 10 to 15 minutes over Skype. I was in Chicago at the time, and I remember it being so formative for me to get that experience, because uh, most of the time, producers who don't accept your work will just not accept your work. Um, But to be able to sit there and hear from Lefty, who I've admired so much as a performer in the last uh, years that I've known her, I think that um, it comes from such a a well-informed place with regard to story and construction and trajectory um, and impact and effectiveness of what you're trying to do on stage and why you're taking your clothes off, Um, especially in character, which I think is uh, a question that so many nerdleskers answer so well. <laughs> well, I think also it sounds like to me at least that Lefty, you're trying to also curate uh, an experience in burlesque where we can be critical and kind. There's mm-hmm. no reason to... Every performer starts somewhere. Everybody sucks at one point. We all do. Yeah. It's how we learn. And the idea, you know, that there are performers in every industry and in every form of media and field where they go, they stink and who cares? And mm-hmm. the fact that you curate an environment where you want to lift the people up around you, um, I think is really great. Um, giving the feedback sessions, uh, what is that like for you? How did you kind of structure that and figure out how you wanted to do it? Um uh, so it's, I always do them over video. It's very important to me that the performers can that we can see each other mm-hmm. um, because, like, you know, it's really important to me that our actions as this festival uh, reflect what we say we're doing. And so the community building means you need to be face to face. You need to meet people. You need to see people. You need to 
have a relationship and be humans. Um, and so I started doing these feedback sessions because when you apply to a festival and you get rejected, you know, some people like to be like, oh, well, I didn't get in because so-and-so's on the team and they would never let me in. Or, you know, like, and or or other people are just like, oh, you know, like everyone, everyone, like everyone, we all make up stories, but it's so much better if you can just talk to each other and find out what's really going on and then, yeah. like, improve. You know, like, why... Why stress when you can just find out what's really going on? Um, and one of the things I really strive to do with our selection process and that I pride myself on is, you know, nepotism to a certain degree is unavoidable. But, um, like, I, I really uh, appreciate that you pointed out that you don't know a lot of the people in the lineup. Um, because I, I, I structured these this whole thing to try to make sure that we aren't just putting our friends in the festival, but that we're really reflecting a diverse group of the greatest nerdlesque happening right now in the city or in, in the world. And when you're only able to pick 20 acts, you're going to reject a lot of great acts. Um, and you don't want those performers quitting performance because they didn't get into the festival or you don't want those performers, you know, thinking you have a personal vendetta against them because you didn't, they didn't at a festival. Like, there's so many factors for what does get into the festival, and I think it's important to share that information with performers. And so, uh, we do. I do 10-minute feedback sessions. I give. I, I do act development, like as a person. I do hour to you know three-hour act development sessions if people want to book me. Um, but the 10-minute sessions, I'll do, you know, seven minutes of really detailed act development and then like three minutes of like and here's something to think about as a festival like in the past like I, I had told people you know if you apply with the Batman or Star Wars act you're already setting yourself up we're going to have to eliminate 50% of those acts in the first round yeah. we could produce an entire show of just Batman and Star Wars acts but that's <laughs> not what the festival is so we could get a great selection and not be able to include, they may not even make it to the second round of four right. rounds of review, you know? And, and so it's really interesting. Cause you know, now it's two years of me telling people that this year I didn't see any Batman acts. I don't know if I saw any star Wars acts. Like it's really interesting. Like the nerdery is getting like really hardcore and it's awesome. Um, and now, you know, sweet P's able to do her Catwoman act and the vigilantes, uh, are, uh, are coming and doing their Suicide Squad act. So because we don't have a bunch of Batman-heavy performers, we get to have our headliners do it. Well, I think it's also really cool that uh, nerdery is more accessible and, like, everyone's a nerd. There's not this thing anymore where it's like, you know, the job... I was listening... It's sort of off-topic, but I was listening to this great interview with Joe Maganello earlier today on the Nerdist podcast, or it's called ID10T now. Um, and he's this big dude who's often appeared very not dressed in a lot of TV, but he's a giant D&D nerd. His wife got him a painting of one of his characters <laughs> from his character sheet, and he's an artist from Wizards of the Coast. Like, the, these perceptions that people who look a certain way have to act a certain way are kind of over. And I also love that now, because of the internet, you can discover anything and, and learn about anything and be nerdy about it. Mm -hmm. Speaking of D&D &D art, though, I just want to point out, I know our listening audience can't hear it, but I am wearing a shirt of myself as my D&D &D character right now. <laughs> Amazing. That's great. That's wonderful. Um, I did want a quick note, though. Um, what Lefty was saying is that like, if you're doing a really popular one, 
you draw a line of sometimes being like too obscure uh-huh. or being mm-hmm. too on that you're so repetitive. And, and I just want to point out because uh, Lefty said like, I don't know if we got any Star Wars. We did. Because if you remember, we got two Ewok submissions. Oh, <laughs> right, yes. Right, we didn't get two Ewok submissions. And, and so one of the Ewoks made it into the festival. I got their music the other day. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's just like, even if you're like, oh, I'll do this weird, like I'll do a smaller obscure character from this big franchise. Like, there was two Ewok yeah. submissions this year. So, I, yeah, I highly suggest people get the feedback. Like, I, as a person who gets to sit down and see, like, a, a big swath of these different submissions, it's really important. Because sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just like, you know, your act was a little too sad for the festival. Or, you know, your act, although nerdy, didn't have enough of a thing that would, like, really... Uh, draw in a nerdy audience so like maybe add a few more little things to it that tie to the source material or sometimes it's it's too obscure you know these are all things that i think we need to hear because as performers our acts are our little babies that we spend hours sculpting and bringing to adulthood right. and bringing to a stage and for some of us these acts are super personal like we put a lot mm-hmm. out on the stage mm-hmm. and it's really hard to hear that you're joking. i've been on the like submission uh critique process for like so long and even now still when i get like rejected from a festival I get like really upset and I have to remember that like maybe they had too many of that act maybe Mm -hmm. my act was a little too sad maybe my act was a little too silly maybe they just ran out of time like get that feedback (laughs) yeah go ahead Lefty oh I was just gonna say um one of the things I love about burlesque is that it's everything from a show on a stage held up by paint cans in a dive bar to like Las Vegas showgirl and uh it's also important as performers, like, like Annie says, like these acts are our babies. It's important for us to realize like, you know, yeah, burlesque is a really supportive place, but we're still entertainers and there's, it's important to be able to self-assess and know, you know, I know some of my acts are not appropriate for a festival and some of my acts are great in a bar and some of my acts are great for a floor show and some of my acts are great for a big stage. And it's important to get that feedback and be able to develop that self-assessment of like, where does this act belong? Where is this home? What am, What is my intention with this act? Everybody thinks they have the most beautiful baby, but yeah. sometimes you need somebody to be honest with you and say like, <laughs> your baby doesn't look good in green. Dress your baby in blue. And <laughs> that's all you need to do. Um, the one thing I will say though that I think is really beautiful is that Lefty, whenever we talk about this in the mission statement, is that she's always like, this is community building, this is connecting, this is to mm-hmm. make Nerdlesque better as a whole. And I think it really shows in the fact that we've had people who have been in the festival and then gotten rejected a year of the festival and come back and like go-go or kitten. That mm-hmm. it's it's a festival where people aren't that upset that they decide to boycott or badmouth it, but they're like, oh, I didn't get in? Cool. I still want to be there. I still want to see what's happening, whether in it as an audience member or helping out in another way well yeah i have friends who are performers who um just in case they don't want me to i won't shout them out but they they applied they got rejected and now they're going to volunteer and they're super excited to be volunteering and Mm -hmm. being at the merch table or helping with tickets or whatever else and i think that's also really neat also i got the other end um from uh, and i hope she doesn't mind me mentioning her i don't think she will i'll check with her but Raina sinclair submitted her morgan act i think last year and like after submitting it, um, got some written up notes about you know how it could be improved, and I think did do the session. And she just said it was incredible. Like I've not had, like it was just simple suggestions, like more glitter on certain parts of the outfit, or like just simple things that she didn't even think to include. Mm-hmm. 
that were so helpful. And I think the fact that you guys are curating this experience of helpful conversation and a kind environment is super important in burlesque and super important in the world right now because a lot of us don't feel safe anywhere. So to have a place where you can feel safe and feel comfortable is really super important. And I know as a festival goer and now as someone who DJs for the festival, I super feel that way. And, and, and I think it's really great that you guys... Uh, perpetuate that environment. Yeah, the uh, the year that I was rejected um, for the Rocket Raccoon and the Gone Girl Act, I actually still flew to New York um, to kitten as BMO and to sell merch as the Corinthian from Sandman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's such a it's such a rich experience in terms of the people that you will meet um, and the cool cool stuff that you're going to get to see. Yeah, um, and I think that the lineup um, every year is just like so stunning. Yeah, um, and I get to see stuff platformed in a festival that I would probably never get to see if I wasn't traveling all over the United States to find these small nerdlesque shows um, in their like homegrown environments. So it's really cool to see them centralized. And and it's really neat too because as a person who lives in New York and performs in New York and only occasionally travels or tours, um, I think you kind of forget that your scene shapes who you are and how mm-hmm. you perform and what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. So getting to see all these submissions and then getting to help make the selection process and then give them out to the world. Like I would suggest whether you're traveling in from Philadelphia or from afar or you're just like a New York City performer, come see this because we have people coming in from like Germany mm-hmm. and England and from the West Coast and like all over and you're going to get to see all kinds of different styles of burlesque that you mm-hmm. wouldn't get to normal see in New York City or this area. Well, and also I'll say you'll get to see acts that you never thought you'd see. And so I want to take a moment now for us to all go around. I know it's like choosing your babies, picking a favorite act, but I'm going to at least pick an act that stood out the most to me last year because I never thought I'd see it. So we had a Tank Girl act last year. Oh, that was so good. And it was an Australian performer, correct? Dizzy Lizzy Delicious. Dizzy Lizzy Delicious, who I'd never heard of, I'd never met until that night. And that act was A, unbelievable, and and B, like, I never thought I would see a Tank Girl act. Like, and I love Tank Girl. The movie, the comics, I don't care. I love it all. So that was really impactful to me to see something I've always loved portrayed on stage when I never thought I would. Yeah. Oh, are we saying which acts? Yeah, I mean, pick out an act, I guess pick an act that not necessarily is your favorite, but maybe that stood out to you the most, either because of the performer you'd never seen or the act concept you'd never seen. Like, what really stood out to you over the years at the Nerdlesque Fest? Mm, I need a minute. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I'm happy to stall. I mean, I think also it's cool, like... So, all right, something I wanted to talk about in Nerdlesque, and then we can come back to that question. I am someone who's seen a lot of burlesque over the last almost six years, and what I love about it changes and what really impacts me changes. But I think what really was great about last year and our headliner pillow is that both of her acts, though made sort of specific nerdy references, were not specific people or characters. They were just sci-fi science acts that were just phenomenal that weren't that you didn't have to know a character or see a story to get the narrative was strong and i think do you think it's important i assume the short answer is yes but do you think it's important to have acts like that as well that aren't specific referential material that people can just go oh that's a robot that's really cool like and just enjoy it as it is absolutely 
Yeah, I, I think. I mean, we do, we do, we do. Like, it comes up every year during the review process. We're like, oh, here's another generic. I'm a nerd turned sexy act. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but like again in burlesque, like it's the narrative. It's how you do it that right. makes it special. Do Do you mind if I kind of share the beginning criteria we do when we're yeah? So the first the when we do the submissions and we go through and we critique them. Uh, there's three criteria that you vote on a scale from, and it's, is this a good burlesque act? Mm -hmm. Is this a nerdy source material? Or, and or, will nerds, like, love this concept? So you do get these ones where it's, it might not be necessarily a specific source material, but if it's something that's generally nerdy, or it does strike these things, like, you can get by without it, or it could be vice versa, but, you know, it has to kind of score high Right. in those things to get passed on so gotcha yeah i thought i thought of my act okay mm -hmm. so i'm gonna clap 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 clap, clap. i want to make sure i get the name right uh, <laughs> so we fine. can edit this part out okay is it uh who did the ghostbusters Floro? is that their name I'm trying to remember the one who did Facebook, Holtz. it's Florence Rosé. Florence, Florence Rosé. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I only call them Flo Rose. Yes. <laughs> that's why it's like, it's like, I'm pretty sure that's not their name, but okay, so Florence Rosé, and it was Holtzman? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Holtzman. Yeah. I Holtzman want to make sure the, the name. Okay, Holtzman. Okay, now I'm ready, so. <laughs> okay, so the act that I was most excited about last year was uh, Florence Rosé, who's a performer out of Florida, did an act as Holtzman from the new Ghostbusters, and it wasn't anything necessarily specific about that act, but rather it was just a convergence of so many things that it's like, this is a character that audiences are going to get so excited when they do certain moves. And it was to Total Eclipse of the Heart, which is a song that gets <laughs> audiences really excited. And in the original video, they had done like sparklers and they didn't work in the video. And they're like, oh, I'm going to try to figure out what to do. And they're like, well, I'll figure something out. And I think in the end, they ended up doing like confetti guns or like confetti cannons. And, mm -hmm. and maybe sparklers too. It was just like, there was so much that is like, we had seen it, but I knew it was also going to change on the stage. And I, it was just one that watching it during the revision process, I was like, I think my note for this one is like, audiences are going to lose their mind during this <laughs> act. Like everybody is just going to get excited about something. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, I, 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 I was, love I'm that sorry, one too. I just got like lost in a reverie of that act. I was my eyes glazed yeah. over because I was remembering it. <laughs> it's so good. And it just like conceptually it's solid too. Mm -hmm. Like character wise, you know, it's an act that makes complete sense in the world of the character. You know why the character's taking their clothes off. You don't like have any problem with any moment of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. It's not impractical. <laughs> I actually, I have three that I'd like to shout out, which is so unfair. And I'm well, so sorry. That's fine. Um, I mean, you're always unfair. So <laughs> um, firstly, Nick's Nocturne's um, <gasps> yes. It last yes. year? Cousin It. Cousin, Cousin It. Not yeah. the clown. Cousin It. Um, from the Adams Family. Nick's Nocturne is a New York-based uh, black performer. And so their Cousin It um, costume was all dreadlocks. Yeah. Uh, and that was so rad to see. And I think that that was a real highlight for me personally. I also really loved, um, we were talking about non-specific source material acts earlier, and Victor Devon has an incredible act where uh, he is, like, <laughs> engaging with somebody over a webcam. Oh, yes. Um, his, and becoming uh, his... quite intimate uh, yes. in his bedroom. <laughs> and then we, it's like, it's... Uh, the 90s, so or it's the early 2000s at least. Um, yeah. And uh, there are some problems with the dial-up, 
and that, yeah. that's it's like his, an incredible uh, digital get down act. Digital get down from by NSYNC. He laughed at me when I said, "Oh, that song's about cyber sex." He's like, "Oh, Matt." Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, yeah. And that's a perfect example of one that's conceptually nerdy because you're interacting over the internet doing a thing that, you know, web chatting and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, sexting and that kind of tech-based sexual interaction. But it's not actually referencing something specific. It's right. re- referencing an action. Yeah, and it's it's just that dread that everyone felt when their internet went down because somebody in the house was on the telephone. <laughs> um, and that was, that was just a very specific callback that I think everybody got real, real into. <laughs> um, and the third one, I don't remember this performer's name, but I believe two years ago there was an act with a live reading of fanfic. Yes. Um, uh, the second year. The second that, year, yeah. That was, was that Bourgeois Grenade, or is Greta Grenade and somebody else? And, uh, yeah, it was Greta Grenade and somebody else. I think Blanche wasn't able to make it that year. Uh-huh. I'm uh, trying to look at our cast list right now and <laughs> figure it out. I'll hang tight till you till you figure that name out. Um, but that act uh, is also not necessarily a specific reference um, that you would have to have watched this movie or this series or read this book to really for that to really resonate with mm-hmm. you um but that's that was uh, comedy gold it was excellent well yeah talking a little bit more about um performers doing acts that are outside of traditional nerdy stuff um the first time i ever saw liberty rose and kate nix perform it was kate nix was under her previous name Haley jane and it was the moonrise kingdom act they did which was oh, I love that so great so and when i had kate nix on this show and i was talking to her about it i was like I told her that's the first act I ever saw and what stood out to me about both of you in that act is that you played the characters from a movie I'd never seen so well at that time that I wanted to see the movie <laughs> and I got the narrative without having seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And so like that kind of stuff is also really cool and sticks with me is acts where like I have two spectrums I think it's really interesting and unique and then just batshit stupid and ridiculous. Like those are the things that stick with me the most. And so, like, that's another one where I, I, thinking about it, I'm like, that was just so specific at that time. If they had done that act a year later, it might not have even had an impact. But that was the year that movie came out. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. Um, have you figured out, Lefty, what your acts that oh you my God. out are? So I'm glad that Anya and Hart mentioned some of my favorites. But then Hart started talking and my list went from three to five. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm also like I'm also like deep cutting past years. So like okay, so my my two that really stood out to me last year. Um, and please, if y'all remember the performer's name, it was the Oregon Trail Act. Tuesday Adams. Tuesday Adams. Oh my God, that Oregon Trail Act (laughs) is my everything. Like my. So as uh, my generation is specifically known as the Oregon Trail generation. Um, And so that like that that's touched a nerve for me in the best possible way. Um, And it was so funny and right on. Um, And then the other act. Can I quick way in? Yes. So do you know the origins of how that act came to be? No. Uh, Rogue Burlesque, which is a nerdy show out of Boston, do a show which is like a Cards Against Humanity based show, where what they do is the troupe gets together and plays a game of Cards Against Humanity, and the winning like duo of cards, they have to create 
acts about. And so that was a winning round of Cards Against Humanity where it was Oregon Trail that was the first card and the second one was the musical. <laughs> so Susie Adams created that. So it's like, that is like the most nerdy act ever because it was created <laughs> using a game with people playing the game about a video game. Like, it's so wonderful. So meta. That's amazing. Oh my God. Um, yeah, and then the other one that... Uh, I really loved last year was Masochus's, um What Did the Fox Say slash Labyrinth uh, Act. Yeah, 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 that was a crazy. Yeah, it was funny because the first time I saw it, like, like she, she, the first removal happens very quickly, and I was like, oh, that was fast. But then, like, she has so many layers that she takes off and does it so well, and it's just such a crowd pleaser. I was like, yes, all of all of the yes. And she's in the festival again this year with a completely different act. Awesome. Oh, you're gonna be so excited, Matt! You're gonna love it. Oh, <laughs> see, I don't like teasers like that because I'm already excited. Um, and then in past years, uh, our first year had some great acts. Um, I can't remember the performer name. It may have been Maximilian who did the Hellraiser act. Oh yeah, I think that was who it was. With the pins. Was that? The, oh my! Was that the first year? Or the that was our very first year. year. Uh, yeah, um, and this this act like it came out as the the pin cushion face pin face what is the this thing called in hellraiser oh uh pinhead pinhead Pinhead, yeah we'll just call it pinhead (laughs) comes out completely as pinhead and then when the robe drops reveals balloons and it becomes a classic burlesque balloon popping act but from using the i mean like it was magnificent um and then that same year uh katie angel's klingon yeah that's how me and katie angel became friends is uh, after that act i just was like i can't and yeah uh, like that 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 one was really cool because like I, that's an act where someone disappears into the character and then you're just looking at them going there's no Katie Angel only a Klingon like mm-hmm. and it was so great like the yeah. mannerisms the the art of the stripping felt Klingon the whole thing and, from beginning to end and the song choice the <laughs> she's always a woman for me like uh-huh. it's just so epic and yeah and I as you can probably tell from these choices I like burlesque done by uh, acts that are like not at all sexy uh-huh. I find that wonderful um, and then the the last the, of my five uh, Lude Alfred's Portrait of Dorian Gray act uh-huh. um, is really just a stunning piece of art and when when you see them tear through the painting at the end like ah oh, it's so good <laughs> yeah I think that for me ultimately these days the acts that seem to have either the most or the littlest thought involved because it can go either way like acts that are just super impulsive and even improvisational I get really into because I can't predict them and just the same on the other end super choreographed predicted decided acts also really pull me in because like you can see the artistry in that end as well. And one's not better than the other. I think it's just what I gravitate towards these days. Can I point out uh, a performer who I think does both really, really well? Please. Is Jeez Louise from yes. Chicago, who did Rufio. Uh-huh. Um, and I've seen Jeez do that act a couple of times. And it's, I don't want to say it's different every time, but it totally is different every time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think that part of that improvisation comes from connecting with the audience in the room um, yeah. because every audience is totally different, a different combination of people and a different energy. And I think G's um, creates the same spectacular result regardless of the people that 
she's performing for. Yeah, Jeez is one of those people that still, when I talk to them, I'm very intimidated because of that act. She's like, so cool. yeah. Because, I mean, it's to Michael Jackson, and, like, she's absolutely Rufio in that moment. It's another one, and, like, so... And, and she's very sweet, and I've met her a bunch of times now, but, like... It's just that's my image of her because mm-hmm. she's so confident and so badass on stage. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be timid and not talk <laughs> to her now. Um, and so I think, yeah, being able to convey that kind of character is really cool to see on stage. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, um, the, the the tickets that are on sale, where people can get them, the kinds of things you get with your VIP package, which sounds really cool. Like, if we want to speak to that a bit because... Ultimately, I would like people to come see the show because, you know, it's really awesome. Um, Agreed. Yes. Oh, before we move on, I just want to say, so for those of you who may have been tuning in who haven't been to fast festivals, you can go probably watch all of these videos on YouTube. So research them and find them. And if you like what you see, know that you're going to see the same not the same stuff, but you're going to see the same caliber and quality of video at the festival coming up. There's so many acts that I'm so excited for you all to see because they're, they're just so great. And like, <laughs> I know what's going to happen and I get to just sit back and like watch and smile as I know the reveals are about to happen and get to see the audience go wild. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Lefty, where, how, where, how do people get the tickets? Um, you can go to the Nerdlesque Festival. Dot, or, sorry, the Nerdlesque Fest dot com slash tickets uh and there are links to take you to the coney island shopping page uh so that you can buy um you can get vip or general admission tickets um vip tickets are pretty rad because uh you get guaranteed seating in the first three rows of the theater um the splash zone uh and uh you also get a vip goodie bag which anna do you want to tell them a little bit what the the sponsor bags have in store sure yeah we have some amazing sponsors uh i don't want to give away too much but let's just say that the bags will have over 25 dollars worth of swag in them cool so it's 30 dollars general admission 45 dollars for your vip bag so you're making five dollars at least in swag <laughs> if you buy those tickets um but yeah there's gonna be stuff from babeland there's going to be like coupons for discounts on stuff for cosplay and uh for different things you can do in the city so yeah i'm not gonna reveal too many secrets but <laughs> definitely get those tickets so you can get them awesome um, also, of course, check out nerdlessfest.com. Um, all of the nerdlessfest.com. The, the nerdlessfest.com. <laughs> nerdlessfest.com is a Japanese site. Really? Yes. Huh. All right, I'm not that's... sure what it's selling, but it's pretty. Oh well, that's good. Um, but 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 our site is very pretty too. We're all featured on there, uh, which is really cool. You can read up about everyone who's on the show today. Um, I want to take a moment because I don't know when I'll have all three of you on this podcast again to shout out some of my favorite experiences with you as burlesque performers. Um, Starting with Lefty and the act that you did last year, um, the... um, the uh, Kitty Pride, oh. Kitty Pride yeah, Act Pride. and Shadowfax Act um, with Lockheed, with Lockheed, <laughs> rather um, that act. So, for those who don't know, this act is done to I had the time of my life, and it's a duet between Lefty as Kitty Pride and Lockheed, who's a puppet. And it, I just I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard during that act. I think it's incredible. I think. Um, 
someone who may or may not have been Dick Move being your partner on stage to just like hide and hold hold him and have him sing who and Dick yeah, is Yeah, Dick Move is a great puppeteer. Great puppeteer, great actor and like it's just one of those acts that like I saw it and I was like I can't this is so dumb it's come around the other way. Like it just <laughs> Just thinking of something like that is so brilliant. Because also, I had forgotten about Kitty Pride back then in the blue outfit with with Lockheed, and I was a big fan of the old school X Men and Avengers stuff. And so to see that version of her was really cool. Um, I mentioned Hart's um, um, uh, Shining Act earlier, but my favorite act you haven't done at a Nerd Less Fest yet, but maybe you will. And that's a show that we've gotten to perform in together, which was a BoJack Horseman show. You do a, uh, a Diane act that's a reverse strip that is heartbreaking and amazing. And so I'm hoping that someday you'll submit it for the Nerd Less Fest because I think BoJack Horseman is kind of run rampant and I think it would be a great large stage act. Um, and then Anya... I can't count on both hands how many acts of yours I've seen that I've loved just because I've known you for so long. But honestly, I think that my favorite act I've seen you do recently is your Careless Whisper act. Oh, which that's not is, even a nerdy one. It's not. Well, it's nerdy to me, and here's the thing. <laughs> okay. I'm a music nerd. I I love romantic and sweet and, and sexy music, and seeing you as such a dorky and nerdy performer, to see you intentionally be graceful and beautiful and sexy and... <laughs> But not, it's such a weird occurrence. It's not. <laughs> it's honestly something that I see in you all the time. To see you deliberately do it on stage to a beautiful song that I've loved since I was a kid was so cool. Um, and as a music nerd, it's one of those acts that I get to express my nerdery because there's nothing nerdy about that act other than I love George Michael my whole life. And, you know, I like seeing beautiful... Um, thought out sexy acts on stage and so that hit a nerd chord that's outside of what we've been talking about today thank you and so i wanted to kind of <laughs> glom on you guys a bit while i had a chance um the nerdless fest of course is the last weekend in april please get tickets and come to the show as you're listening it's this weekend um there's going to be a ton of stuff to do we'll all be there uh, more importantly, they'll all be there. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I have all of my playlists from previous years, plus a brand new nerdy playlist <laughs> for this year's show. Um, it's it's going to be so much fun. Um, can that, we? Yes. Can we give some little teasers uh, from the team of what they're the acts they're most excited to see this year? Because we haven't got a chance to really talk about what people are going to see at the festival. Yes, please do. Um, I would. L I didn't know if you wanted to tease any of that because I, kn I know that... Uh, I mean, you don't have to say who's doing what, but yes, please, uh, 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 tease away. It's funny, uh, uh, going back to that a bit, I didn't know Sweet Pea was a huge nerd until I saw the photos of like the mm -hmm. acts that she's going to do and stuff. Like I was like, oh my God, she's a nerd too? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, please tease away. I don't have this knowledge, so I'll just sit here with the audience and listen. I'll say that um, we've never in the Nerd Lusk Fest had any representation for the show Steven Universe. <gasps> um, and that may change this year. I'm being, I'm being saucy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that a lot of people who watched the show American Gods... This, the past season of it, we're very excited about Gillian Anderson's character mm -hmm. on the show, and that maybe you'll get to see a burlesque rendition of that character in a really amazing, fantastically cool way. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Fancy. Lefty. Uh, well, I'll say that there's a certain meme featuring two very um, 
wily, mysterious, hard to catch characters. Where's Waldo and Carmen Sandiego <laughs> that may come to life on stage in the most magnificent of ways? Amazing. <laughs> um, is there anything that you want the listeners to know about the Nerdless Fest that they might not have gotten from this episode already as far as for performers to know, for the audience to know, just in general about the show that you want to share? Uh, Anya, you can go first. Okay. Um, what I would say is that a lot of people who are not exceptionally nerdy feel like they can't come to these things because they're not going to get the references. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is that as we were curating it, we were saying that this is an act that is a great act regardless. So even if you come in and you just like anime, like you can enjoy all of the acts that are there. You can come in and just be a fan of wrestling. And I don't know, maybe it'll be a wrestling act that happens. Like, <laughs> there's like lots of different things that we're going to hit on, but all the acts are entertaining. So if you're a nerd person, like grab your friend and be like, I want to come show you this thing and they'll enjoy it. Even if they, if you don't think that they have any nerdy stuff bring your significant other or others bring your sister or you know i don't know bring your mom sure <laughs> cool like everybody can see something here that you're going to enjoy from pixar to anime to board games to comics it's it's all there heart anything I was to share throw, i was gonna throw it to lefty first all right <laughs> well okay. lefty then <laughs> um yeah, really. I, I was pretty much going to say what Anya said. Like, what what I think is really fun about this festival is you don't have to be a nerd to enjoy it. You don't have to be into burlesque to enjoy it. You have never been to a burlesque show before, and have a great time. Um, it's really important to me. You know, like as as nerdy burlesque is evolving, we talked about that like really niche burlesque. You know, uh. A lot of people are worried they're not going to get references or whatever, and nerdlesque has grown to a point that this show is just a good time. If you like to be entertained. Awesome. Definitely. Um, I was just thinking recently about how our entire producing team is composed of non-men. Um, and that Which was just phenomenal. like, it was just like really important to me yep. to touch on that really quickly. Um, Absolutely. If, if, read, if, if readers, if listeners didn't know that already. Um, and I think for me, um, I entered burlesque a few years ago and I wasn't, seeing a lot of representation for bodies that um, were my color or different colors or looked like mine or didn't look like mine and I saw a lot of the same things in other festivals and I think that Nerdlesque Fest um, has really made it a priority um, to create a platform for excellent, excellently diverse representation and I think that that's a conversation that um, nerds and the world as a whole are having uh, and I think it's an important conversation and I think that Nerdlesque Fest does a really nice job of upholding that part of the bargain of being a person in the world. <laughs> That's a uh, great note to end on. Um, uh, thank you again for the three of you being here. There are, of course, other members of the staff that help make this thing happen that are not here. Um, yeah, shout out to Megan Nessel. She's yes. been my assistant this whole process. She's not a burlesque performer at all. She's definitely a nerd and awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, Anya, I'm going to ho holler at you again. Like You and Megan have really made this festival possible this year, and I appreciate you so hardcore. And Hart, you too, man. Like this is It takes an army. It takes a village. And I'm glad that y'all are my village. Aww. Aww. <laughs> um, but but again, uh, it was important for me to have. I would now want I've had Anya's old hat at this point. She's been on this podcast, my other podcast. This is my fourth hat. Yeah, before we get in podcast. Um, but I've wanted to have 
you know, Anya back, of course, and each of you uh, individually for a while. So I'm glad to have you under this. And I would love to have both Lefty and Hart separately on the show to just talk about your background and how you got started at a later date. But I'm so happy that you asked to do this because this festival is one of the things I look forward to every year. And well, that's really good to hear. Mm, I appreciate that. And and I know when it's happening because I'm in it, and I still get <laughs> get to be excited. And so it's been really a blast. Um, Lefty can attest. I send her like the shows in April and like May. I send her my next playlist. Going, I've already started. I have ideas. <laughs> so you know. And that's why we produce a festival for nerds. Is because at the end of the day, nerds are just really passionate, enthusiastic people, and we need more of that. Like positive force behind, like guiding what we do in life and less of the like fear um, the last thing I'll ask you all to do is and I guess we can do it in unison oh yeah um, we're going to do it in unison I, be- I believe in you so we have a saying I have a saying on this podcast which I've been explaining a little more because this show has been less about music lately um, that's music is life and life is good and the sentiment behind it is that if you're making or enjoying good art your life will be good because beyond all of the other bullshit that's happening in your country say or you know your friend group or your scene if you're making and doing and enjoying, you can still move forward and get by and, and, and learn and grow. And so if I could get all three of you maybe on Lefty's cue to say music is life and life is good, that would be awesome. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> should I just like do like, like, should I do the like Wayne's World? Like, there you go. Yeah. There you, you go. may not have realized Lefty is Skyping in from New Orleans right now. So this is like a, a, yes. a double state accomplishment right now if we I'm do also it. I'm Skyping in during like a hurricane level storm oh. that shut down French Quarter Fest. Wow. I saw lightning in the background. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of nice to have a snow day, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. Now that I live on higher ground. Exactly. Alright, so why don't you cut us count us in lefty and tell then... me what we're saying one more time. Music is life and life is good. Yeah, yep. that's it. Alright. Awesome. Alright, so three Music, music is, is life, life and, and life. life. Yes. Let's try that again. <laughs> no, not okay. May keep the blooper in. I'm undecided. <laughs> we can try one more time. Okay. Okay. Music, music is, life, is life, and life. I think that I think there's too much of a delay. So I think we're, we're like. I think there's there's a delay due to Skype in the storm. So instead, I'm gonna let the the brainchild sign us out um, and have Lefty say the saying. Um, so Lefty, if you could sign us off by saying, "Music is life, and life is good." Music is life, and life is good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.